Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Genesis chapter 23. And Sarah was 127 years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre. The same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. Death is the common denominator of all human beings. Whether we are rich or poor, healthy or sick, well-educated or illiterate, death comes to every man. The Roman philosopher Seneca said, Death is the wish of some, the relief of many, and the end of all. Shakespeare said, All that live must die, passing into eternity. J.R.R. Tolkien said, The journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path, one that we all must take. The fact is, 65 million people die every year. That is 178,000 every day, 7,200 each hour, and 120 each minute. Are you prepared to die, listening friend? Do you have faith to face death unafraid? The Lord Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 7.1, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. His point was that the name given you at birth is like fragrant ointment, to be maintained until death. At death, if it is still fragrant, people will rejoice. If it is putrid, they will sorrow. So for a person with a good name, the day of death is better than the day of birth. As we come to Genesis chapter 23, we have described the burial of a woman with a good name, Sarah, the wife of Abraham. So far in the book of Genesis, we have had the privilege of walking with Abraham and Sarah through the peaks and valleys of a life well lived. 
In Genesis 22, Abraham reached the pinnacle of faith and obedience as he takes Isaac to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him there. Now in Genesis 23, Abraham goes into the depths of the shadow of death as we watch him say goodbye to his beloved wife, Sarah. Sarah had been a very good wife to Abraham and a good mother to Isaac. God called her a princess and listed her with the heroes and heroines of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. The Apostle Peter named her as a good example for Christian wives to follow in 1 Peter chapter 3. And St. Paul used her to illustrate the grace of God in the life of the believer in Galatians chapter 4. Abraham and Sarah had been married for 76 years. She was the mother of only one son, Isaac, and is the only woman in all the Bible whose death and age are recorded in the scriptures. We have no idea how old Eve was when she died, or Rebecca, or Rachel, or Deborah, or Ruth, Bathsheba, or Mary, or Martha. But we do know when Abraham's wife died and where she was buried. She was a faithful wife and a loving mother to her son Isaac. Sarah died a contented and fulfilled woman. There are several things that we learn from Genesis chapter 23 concerning Sarah's death. The first is Abraham's tears when she died. What a bitter day it is when a man buries his wife. It is perhaps the lowest, saddest point in a human life and the crushing of all earth's hopes and expectations. One man whose wife died five years ago says, Life has been a nightmare ever since my wife died. I cannot process this. I have moments of what feels like moving forward, and then I just crash for days. It all feels like it's just getting worse. In Genesis 23, we stand beside Abraham as he weeps at the grave of Sarah. He is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. His grief is crushing. Fortunately, Abraham is a man of faith. And for the man of faith, there is a light which shines even in the pain of great loss and dark shadows. Sarah was 127 years old when she died. She died in faith, but she did die. Scripture says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The word appointed means ordained. All of us have many appointments we keep every week. Sometimes we are late for appointments, or sometimes we miss them altogether. But there is one appointment that you and I will never miss, and that is our appointment with death. Most people don't like to think about their appointment with death. If modern man talks about death at all, it is often done in a joking way. Perhaps you've heard the old joke, why do they build fences around cemeteries? The answer, because people are just dying to get in. Sooner or later, we all end up in the graveyard. Abraham loved his wife and her death was a painful experience for him. By this time, Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac had moved back from Beersheba to Hebron under the Oak of Mamre, where they had first lived when they came into the land of Canaan, sort of like going back to their honeymoon cottage. 
It was here that Sarah died. As was customary in those days, the body of Sarah was placed in a tent all by itself, and into that tent Abraham went to weep and mourn over her. It is remarkable that this is the only time we are ever told that Abraham wept. This old man has gone through many bitter disappointments and times of heartbreak in his life. He was disappointed when Lot left him. He was heartbroken when Ishmael was sent away into the desert. His heart was torn with anguish when he had to offer Isaac upon the mountain. But the only time the Bible says he wept was when Sarah died. This seems to reveal the depth of his grief and love for this woman. Abraham showed his love and his grief by weeping. These are the first recorded tears in the Bible, and tears will not end until God wipes them away in glory. Sarah died in faith, so Abraham knew that she was in the Lord's care. Notice that Abraham did not feel that his tears were an evidence of unbelief. We are told that Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Sometimes well-meaning friends tell us that Christians shouldn't weep at the death of loved ones. Abraham believed Sarah died in faith. He believed that she was taken by God and in his loving care. He believed in the resurrection of the body at the last day. But his heart was still broken because he loved Sarah. This is the only time we are told that Abraham wept. No doubt God was especially close to the man that he called his friend at that time, and yet he still wept. There is Christian pain at the absence of someone that you love. Sometimes people unthinkingly say that once you know that something is the will of God, it's easy. Well, it was God's will that Sarah should die, but it wasn't easy for Abraham. It broke his heart. Abraham didn't weep when Sarah was taken from him to a harem in Egypt. He didn't weep when God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. But when Sarah died, the tears flowed freely. Sorrow and tears are proper. The loss of a spouse may be the single greatest loss a man can experience. There is no escaping death. All the world is a hospital and every person in it is a terminal patient. It is instructive for us to spend a few moments here with Abraham as he bows over the body of Sarah. If you have ever wept over a loved one, you know that the well of grief is fed by the springs of memory. All the wonderful days with a loved one come crowding back as they must have to Abraham in this story. I think he saw in his mind's eye that beautiful girl who captured his heart long ago. Memories passed through his mind image after image. He remembered the sunlight glittering in her hair when he first saw her, the radiance of her face on her wedding day, the softness of her touch and the grace of her caress. Each remembrance brought a heartache in the darkness of his grief at this hour. He recalled the high adventure of their life together and especially the compelling call from God that sent them out as a couple together into an unknown land. He remembered how Sarah went along with him. Sarah shared hardships, accepted the unsettled life without a murmur or a complaint. 
How his heart must have been wrung with anguish as he remembered anew his error in judgment when he exposed Sarah to danger and dishonor with Pharaoh in Egypt. All the bittersweet memories came in upon him as he recalled their long, weary years without a child. He remembered how Sarah, in her desperation to give him a son, she offered her handmaid and Ishmael was born. All of this must have filled Abraham's heart and mind as he wept beside the body of Sarah. He remembered also how at long last glory shone in her face when God provided the miracle of the birth of Isaac. His memory ran back through the years and retraced the love that drew them together, through bad times and good, until they were one in body, mind, and heart. Now death has torn Sarah from his arms, though it can never tear her from his heart. It is an hour of darkness and grief in the shadow of death. But this is not the end of the story. As we read this account, we read something further of the life of faith. We read of Abraham's testimony beginning at verse 3 in our passage. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead. What this verse means is that when the mourning period was over, Abraham moved on with his life. You see, grief is a normal part of living, but there is a time when grief must reach an end. Sorrow over death is natural and normal, but sorrow that does not end is unnatural. A woman once told her pastor that she had been grieving for her parents for over 15 years. Friends, that kind of grieving is not godly sorrow. St. Paul said concerning those who have died, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. We need to learn to rejoice over our loved ones who have entered the realms of light, knowing that one day we will join them there. We cannot mourn over our dead forever. There comes a time when we must accept what has happened, face life, and fulfill our obligations to both the living and the dead. A soldier's wife was contacted by the army and was informed that her husband had been killed. She wept with her mother as she held the telegram in her hand, and then she told her mother that she was going up to her room and she didn't want to be disturbed. Her mother called her husband to break the news to him and he came home immediately. He wanted to see his daughter very much. He went upstairs and quietly opened the door. He saw his daughter kneeling by her bed. The telegram spread before her with the news of her husband's death. She was saying, Oh, my heavenly father! Oh, my father! My heavenly father! He quietly closed the door and went back downstairs. How is she? asked his wife. She's in much better hands than mine, he quietly replied. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. 
let's continue our lesson. Abraham wept over Sarah's death, and that showed how much he had cared for the one God had provided for him. But Abraham moved on with his life. Abraham married again. Remarriage was no betrayal to Sarah. Abraham married Keturah, and they had six sons. But he would always thank God every day for his first wife Sarah and the life they had lived together. Abraham had to request a place to bury his wife. God had promised the whole land to Abraham, but he legally owned none of it. After 42 years in Canaan, Abraham still didn't own any part of the promised land. He called himself an alien and a stranger because after all these years, he was still a wandering sojourner. Abraham had not put down any roots. He was just a pilgrim passing through. This is a lesson for us as the children of God. Followers of God must not become entangled in the affairs of this world. May we never forget our true identity. We are pilgrims and strangers in this world. Let us live that way and not settle down, but keep traveling until we reach our heavenly home. Notice that when Abraham gets done with mourning, he moves into action. Verse 3 says, Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Verse 5, And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. What is so instructive here is that the sons of Heth, the people living in the land, recognize that God is in Abraham's life, that he is with him and guiding him and sustaining him. Do the unsaved around you recognize that you are with God and that God is with you? Do they see a difference between you and the people around you who do not profess to believe in and love God? There must be a qualitative difference in our lives as we live separate from the world and wholeheartedly committed to God. Then in verse 7 to 9, Abraham responds to the sons of Heth. Thank you for your sincerity. I appreciate your kindness in helping me. If you would truly help me, go and beseech Ephron the son of Zohar that I might buy the cave of Machpelah which he owns. Abraham is using great wisdom and tact in his dealing with the sons of Heth. This word Machpelah means the cave of the pears. This is significant because it designates this cave as the resting place of pairs of couples, specifically three husbands and wife couples. Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah were all buried here. Why is this important? Because the burial of these six people points to the idea of the redemption of the world by God's grace. How does God redeem the world from death? By the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who holds the key to our own bodily resurrection from the dead. 
burial is done with a view to resurrection, and resurrection is due to the grace of God. By buying land to bury his beloved wife, Abraham is forced to recognize that God's promises do not end with this life. They point forward and onward to the resurrection. God will do far more than what he has done in this earthly life. This is the promise and hope of all who die in faith. Friend, we must never forget that this temporary life is only the prelude to eternity. Someday God will raise up these earthly bodies out of the grave, transform them into heavenly bodies, and take us to live with him forever. This is the promise of the gospel. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted your life to him by believing in his death on the cross for you? This is the most important question in all of life. Have you prepared your soul to enter into eternity and meet God? Sarah had to be buried soon. In the East in that day, most business transactions were carried on at the city gate with people as witnesses. Arriving at a final price for a piece of property usually involved a great deal of bargaining and haggling. But Abraham was open and honest in his request. He wanted to buy the cave of Machpelah from Ephron, who was in the crowd at that time. At first, the Hittites offered to give Abraham their choicest cave as a gift, since he was considered a mighty prince. But Abraham refused because he understood that such an offer in the Middle East demanded the response, Oh no, let me pay you for it. Abraham wanted a specific plot of land that Ephron owned so that he could lay Sarah to rest in peace and dignity. Ephron, in verse 14 and 15, took advantage of Abraham in his grief by asking the exorbitant price of 400 shekels of silver, far more than the land was worth. King David paid only 50 shekels to buy the site on which the mighty Jerusalem temple was erected. The writer of Genesis wants to stress that Abraham bought the land legally. It was entirely his, paid for in the presence of all the people of the town. Why was this important to Abraham and why to Moses, who later wrote the book? We are considering Sarah as to her body. The human body is sacred. It is fashioned in the image of God. It is not simply a decaying flesh to be treated casually. This is Sarah's body and needs to be treated with respect. When Mary went to the garden and discovered the tomb in which Jesus was laid was empty, she thought someone had taken the body of Jesus away and she wanted to know where his body was. Abraham was conscious that this was the body of Sarah and it deserved a proper loving burial. Burial plans ought to matter to the people of God. Have you considered where you will be buried? Have you drawn up a will? Do your loved ones know your wishes concerning the disposition of your body? These questions are important and ought to be discussed openly. Burying his wife was also a declaration that someday Abraham's descendants would possess the land. 
If the Lord does not return to take us to heaven before we die, the only piece of property each of us will ever own in this world will be a plot in the cemetery. We will take nothing with us. We will leave it all behind. But if we are investing in things eternal, if we are spending our time loving and worshiping the triune God, we can then send that ahead of us. If we live by faith, then we can die by faith. And when we die by faith, we will enter into the joy of our Lord in heaven forevermore. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with God Debt Ministries. You may reach us on the web at goddebtministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.